Thank you, Tara. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Good morning, folks. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I love it. It's the best day of the year, y'all. Best day of the year. You know, I've the Lord has um, put something on my heart to share, and I really wrestled with how how to present it. And um, I think I'm supposed to tell a story. I just like telling stories. Love telling stories. I used to make stuff up with my kids, and uh, to this day, I'm not sure if they know. <laughs> What stories I told him is actually true. It's a long-standing tradition. Uh, when I was five years old, my father told me a story of how he killed a buffalo. Yes, there are buffaloes in Silvatus. Um, with the, there used to be, there was one, and he killed it. And I said, Dad, how'd you kill it? Because he showed me, he showed, what he showed me was a hindquarter from a white-tailed deer. And uh, he said, it's buffalo meat. And I said, well, how'd you Dad, where'd you get it? I killed it. How'd you kill it? With a rock. How did... Wow. You thought your dad was tough. My dad killed a buffalo. He threw a little rock at it, hit it right in the eye, right beside the eye, he said. So it was very convincing. So I want to tell you a story, but before we do that, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to have a word of prayer real quick. Quick word of prayer. We're going to, we don't always stand for prayer, but we're going to this morning. Stand if you are able, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name, thanking you for Resurrection Sunday, for the promise of eternal life that comes through a risen Lord. And I pray you'll take this time now and do what you do and speak to us through these words and speak to us through how we love one another. God, I pray that you'll be working in hearts, working in us, and may we leave changed. In Jesus' name, amen. And before you sit down, fist bump a couple of people and say, He is risen. He is risen. All right. Yes, that's the whole thing. He is risen. So this is the story of the convict and the king. If Imagine, if you will, a, a pair of, of bright eyes, kind of a pale brown, almost amber-colored eyes, set in a face that was probably handsome ten or more years ago, but you can tell by the lines on his face and the scars and the general scruff that he's had a hard life. And his expression is, is like a slab of cold stone as he's trying not to hide his horror at the nine-inch iron spike that is poised above his left wrist. He holds his breath, knowing what's about to happen. He doesn't want to cry out in front of these people. But the familiar sound of hammer against metal came before he was expecting it. And he, he sucks in this stinging lungful of air and, and a sob escapes his throat unwillingly and he turns away from the blood pouring out from around the splintered bones protruding from his wrist and wishes his life had been different see this man people have heard about him he's famous but we don't know his name nobody knows his proper name people have guessed at names through the years and given him names through the years so i suppose we can give him a name it's easier to talk about somebody if there's a name we'll call him ari okay Ari, that'll be his name. Don't know his real name. That'll be good enough to tell his story. And as far as his story goes, there's a lot about his history and his background that's a mystery. His history is a mystery. We don't know quite how he got to this point, but we might be able to imagine what it could have been like. I, I imagine Ari as being an only son. The joy of his mother and the pride of his father living in Jericho. It was a simple life, but it was peaceful. Ari followed his father 
everywhere. Wanted to be just like his dad. His dad's a big, strong blacksmith. And he would watch his father work at the forge and listen to his father complain about the Romans. You see, Ari lived in the time when the Roman Empire was controlling everything, virtually everything. They had taken over the land of Israel. The Romans were in charge. They ruled with a fist of iron. His father was constantly ranting about how somebody needed to stand up to these Romans. And he told Ari about the old prophets who had promised someday a man would rise up and deliver Israel. They called him the Messiah. And his father was hopeful that the Messiah would come and run the Romans out of town. Defeat those Roman oppressors. So that's what Ari grew up with. He grew, with, grew up with the sound of hammers and the sound of his father complaining about the Romans. Hatred for the Romans. And as you can see, his hatred would only grow worse. One day when Ari was about 12, a contingent of Roman soldiers came through town and dragged an old man out of his house. They said that he was the leader of a conspiracy against Rome. In truth, he was just a shoemaker who had all the same complaints everybody else had about the Romans, only someone overheard him. One of the tax collectors that worked for the Roman government overheard this man's complaint, and they turned him into the authorities. And they came and, and uh, they drug him out. And Hey, we're glad to have everybody here today. It's all right, Brandon. It's all right, Brandon. You're cool, man. We want everybody here today. We're good. So they drag him out, and um, Ari is watching this from his window the whole time. And he's just watching, you know, it's fast. It's like when the, the cops are at your neighbor's house, and uh, like, uh, I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to be watching this, but I'm watching this. And, and he, uh, he was watching, and one of the soldiers turned and looked straight at him, and, and he ducks, but he can hear the sound of, of crunching, uh, stone as someone's walking toward him he can hear the clink of weapons and soon there's pounding on the door and uh, Ari's father who's in the forge in the back of the house runs from the back to the front and he says tells Ari and his mom to to hide and they they duck behind a big pile of firewood and they can hear everything uh, the soldiers didn't see Ari after all they're asking the blacksmith father to make some shackles because they want to shackle this old man that they've drug out of the house and and Ari listens as his father refuses to help the Romans and um, refuses to help. And there's an argument and there's a struggle. Ari leaps up just in time to see the point of a sword protruding out of the middle of his father's back. And his father slumped to the floor. And in rage, he grabs a stick of firewood and he goes running at these soldiers and to do what I don't know what he thinks he's going to do. He's 12 and he's got skinny arms. So they just grab him and throw him out in the street and they start kicking him and kicking him and kicking him. And they kick him until he's completely unconscious. And he wakes up with his mother hunched over him, trying to mop the blood off of his face. And it was a month before he was healed up enough to carry wood or water. And he limped from there on forward. So Ari's father was gone, and he tried to do the work of a blacksmith to, to provide for the family, but he, he just wasn't big enough, he wasn't strong enough. And when he tried to swing the hammer, his ribs ached, and his mother sold the forge and the anvil to keep the creditors at bay. So a few months later, 
his mom announced that she's going to marry again. And Ari was so mad. He felt, he felt like his mom was betraying his dad's memory by getting married. And she explained, look, we've got to eat. And this man who wants to marry me, he's a wealthy man. He can provide for us. He's a, he's a tax collector. And Ari could not believe his ears. The tax collectors worked for the Romans, and the Romans were the ones who murdered his father and crippled him. How could his mom marry a tax collector? But his mother said it was the only way for them to make it. Otherwise, they're not going to survive. So he hated everything about his stepfather. Everything. His, his fancy robes, his cold, cruel manners, and especially the way that he groveled in front of the Roman officials. His real father would never do anything like that. And after a year of constant fighting, Ari was at his breaking point. And then one day his mother sat him down and told him, son, things are going to change. We're going to move to Jerusalem. Your, your father, and he said, no, no, not my father, my stepfather. My stepfather, you mean. Well, he's taking a new job in Jerusalem. We're moving, and that's not all. And she patted her belly and said, a new child is on the way. And that was it. That was the end. That was the last straw for Ari. And at 13 years old, he walked out of the house. And he didn't turn back when he heard his mama call. And she chased after him. And despite his limp, he outran her. And he left the city. And he was gone. He left. He found some work. During the wheat harvest, he was just big enough to help in the wheat harvest, and he stayed there a few months until that was over. And then there was nothing. So what happens to a young man who is on his own and he's got no place to live? He finds some other young men who are on their own and have no place to live, and pretty soon he fell in the crowd of these teenage boys who had two things in common. They did not have a family to speak of, and they hated the Romans. They were led by an older boy. Well, let's call him... Uriel, Uriel, that's a, that's a Hebrew name. With Uriel in charge, the boys started robbing these small-time tax collectors and anybody who worked for the Romans. And Ari had been taught, of course, it was wrong to steal. It was wrong to rob. But he told himself, this is against the, the Romans. They're the bad guys. It's okay, he says, to, to be against the Romans. Uriel said, hey, look, we're not robbers. We're revolutionaries. We're fighting the power. But, of course, once in a while, they would also steal from any rich person who happened to be unguarded in the wilderness. And uh, Uriel said that was okay because if they were rich, they were probably working with the Romans after all. So they were part of the problem. Eventually, Ari rose to become the second in command. And they, they heard that a load of Roman tax money was on its way to Caesarea in the north. So uh, they, walked, they waited along the road for a wagon to pass. They, they believed they had found the wagon. So they heard the creaking of wagon wheels and they leapt out. Only it wasn't the tax wagon. It was some merchant and his wife and his kid. And, but the merchant drew a sword and he fought him. And then there was a fight. And, and Ari never... Ari um, didn't... Uh, hey, it's, it's really okay, Brandon. It's really okay. Hey, you do what you, whatever you feel like you need to do. But I want you to know you guys are welcome. You're wanted. And you're loved 100%. All right, buddy? I'm serious. So they, Ari couldn't remember exactly what happened later, but when it was over, that little family was dead, and, and uh, he would have dreams about standing over the body of the child, and, and uh, it weighed on him for years. And it went on like that for a long time, robbing and killing, all supposedly in the name of freedom from Rome. And eventually the Romans tracked him down, of course. You can't do that forever. And Ari managed to escape 
but he wasn't sure what happened to Uriel or the other people in the gang. So he straightened up for a while. He straightened up. He's in his 20s now. He's time to settle down, young man. So he met and married a young lady, and they, they had a child together, and, and everything was okay for like a little while. It was okay. But it was hard for him to hold down a regular job. He hadn't really done like a regular job in a long time. And, and he, he falls back into the only life he knows. The criminal life. And, and uh, that went kind of well for a while. He hid it from his wife for a while. But it couldn't last for long. Because some other criminals came and burned down his house. And his wife took their boy. And he left. So that's when he, that's when he really started drinking. That's when he started drinking and he fell down. And there was a few years there that was, it was just a blur. And he can hardly remember. Now, eventually he found his way back to Jericho. Remember, that's his hometown. He hasn't been there in 20 years. It's been 20 years since as a 13-year-old, he ran away from Jericho. But he came back. He knew his mother and stepfather weren't supposed to be there. They'd moved to Jerusalem long ago. But he walks into town and he sees a tax collector's booth. And, and the person sitting behind the booth looks awfully familiar. It's been a long time. He's aged a lot. But the question, there's no question who it is. That man behind the tax collector booth is his stepfather. And Ari wants nothing more than to go and attack the man, but he doesn't. He walks on past and he goes and he buys a couple of bottles. And he says, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to talk to a bottle about this. And, he, and that's what he does. That's what he does all night. And he, he wakes up just with his head just killing him. And he wakes up he realizes he's not indoors, he's outdoors. And, and uh, he sits up and uh, he, his hands are wet and there's blood all over his hands. And then he sees the tax collector booth and... It comes back to him, you know, what he had done. Uh, somebody's whispering nearby and there's something heavy being dragged away. And the next thing he knows, some strong hands are, are binding him and throwing him into the back of a wagon. And by the winding of the road and the bumping of the, the trail, he can tell they must be going from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a long winding ascent up to Jerusalem and he knows what's coming. Um, he knows what's about to happen. So when he gets to Jerusalem, the trial lasts less than a minute. The Roman governor Pontius Pilate listened to the charges and asked Ari to make a statement, but Ari only spat on the ground because he's not going to give any answer to any Roman oppressor. Pilate waved his hand, and the soldiers dragged him back to the cell. There's a dozen other men in this cell, in this cramped cage, or he sees a pitcher of water and he's thirsty, he wants a drink, so he begins to make his way across this cell to get this pitcher of water when suddenly someone tackles him and pins him down, a giant of a man. And seconds later, he hears this, the pitcher smash against the large man's head and he goes flying and he looks up into the face of someone who has rescued him from this attacker. And he recognizes the face. It's much older now, it's, it's scarred, if anything this guy looks worse than Ari does. It's, it's Uriel, his old friend from the gang. And, and uh, they spent a while catching up. And turns out their story had been much the same while the, the man who attacked him was um, in the corner watching them. They, they caught up their story. It, it seems they had had a similar path. Uriel continued his life of crime. And he was there for stabbing a Roman centurion who tried to make him carry his bag. Uh, 
Both of them had the death penalty, so they talked way into the night. They were awakened late the next morning by the chanting of a crowd somewhere in the distance, and they couldn't really tell what the words were until they sat very still and listened, and it sounded like, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And just then a guard comes in, clangs on the cell door, and shouts, Barabbas! Barabbas, get up! Get up, Barabbas! So the large man who had tackled Ari the night before stands up and groans to his feet and, and they goes over to the garden. There's a whispered conversation. And then the soldier takes Barabbas away and the big man is laughing and clapping. He's obviously being set free for some reason that the man does not understand Barabbas, this other prisoner, is being set free. Some of you who know the story know why he was set free. A half an hour later, the guard returned, shouting at Ari and Uriel to stand up. So immediately they think, ah, all right, we're going to be set free too. But then they see the shackles that are waiting for them. And he instantly goes back to the set of shackles that he refused to, that his father refused to make for the Romans. And that's what started this whole, whole misadventure. So the guards take them out of the cell, lead them in shackles out to the courtyard where they are take, uh, turned loose, but only to be prepared for something worse. Ari sees that there is another prisoner who's already there in the courtyard, and he looks bad. By the looks of him, the Romans must have beaten him all night long. His skin had been whipped uh, had been whipped until his skin was shreds, and his face was so swollen that it was difficult to see his eyes. Somebody shoved a crown onto his head, but it looked like it was made of sharp thorns. There was a royal purple robe fastened over his shoulders, soaked in blood. So Ari wondered, what could this man have done to deserve this treatment? Even, even for the cruel Romans, this seemed excessive. The soldiers then drug out these heavy beams and put them on each of the prisoners' backs and told them to march. Now Ari's blood ran cold. He knew he was going to be executed, but he was hoping for something a little more merciful than this. Crucifixion was the worst way to die. It was a public spectacle and sometimes it could drag on for days before the person died. So the soldiers marched them through the city and Ari's bad leg, his limping leg is aching. It's killing him. But the man in the purple robe was having it much worse. He keeps falling down and falling down. And every time this happens, the soldiers beat him with the butts of their spears and hoist him on his feet again. But it was clear eventually that he could not go on. They grabbed a man out of the crowd and made him carry the cross instead. See, this is when Ari slowed down enough to understand what the crowd was shouting. He heard the name shouted, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. He's heard this name. He's never met this Jesus of Nazareth, but he knew that many people said that, that Jesus of Nazareth was the, the long-awaited Messiah. The one who would save Israel. But how could that be? Ari's father told him that the that, G, that the Messiah would be a military leader and come and rescue Israel from the Roman oppressors. How could this man, who's being executed by the Romans, be the Messiah? But then he did remember, people said this Jesus was a miracle worker. Maybe a miracle was coming. Maybe there would be some kind of last-minute miracle to save this man and rescue all three of them. They went outside the city. To a hill. The hill was called Golgotha. People named it that. It means the place of a skull. They say the rock formation in the hillside looked like a skull. So they marched people up to the top of the skull hill. And that's where the 
public execution of the worst criminals would take place. And that's where we found him at the beginning of the story, watching that spike go into his wrists. His arms are outstretched on a cross and nails have been driven through his hands and his feet. He hears Uriel, his friend, groaning in agony and this man Jesus in between them, gasping in pain. And as he's hoisted up off the ground, it's like no pain he's ever felt. It feels like his shoulders are being pulled out of their sockets and his hip bones are being shoved up into his lungs. And the worst of it comes when the base of the cross slips into the socket that has been carved into the rock and thunks into it and it it just feels like his whole body is being torn to pieces tears stream down his face and he wishes for a speedy death he hears a gurgling sound from his left he sees that jesus is trying to say something from the cross and an exhausted croaky voice calls out forgive them father for they know not what they do Ari's blood boils in anger. How can this man Jesus want to forgive the people that are killing him? And in his, in his own pain, he shouts out at this man. He shouts insults at, at Jesus. And he notices Uriel has joined from the other side and, and shouting, some people don't deserve to be forgiven. That's the idea. That's why he's shouting. He feels some people don't deserve to be forgiven. Why would you forgive these people? More people are climbing up the hill now. Some of them were priests and Pharisees, and they're mocking Jesus. Ari had heard that the religious leaders had rejected Jesus. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. Most of the common people did. Is that why? Is that why the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead? Because of jealousy? This is what Ari is wondering. He'd only heard good things about this Jesus. Why would they want him dead? A weeping woman appears in the crowd supported by a young man. Jesus speaks again, and this time he speaks to this woman, and it's clear that this woman is Jesus' mother. And he he says, Mother, behold your son. And then he speaks to the young man who's with the mother and says, She's your mother now. Treat her like she's your mother. And uh, some of you who know that story, that's when Jesus committed his mother Mary into the, the care of John, the disciple, and he took care of her for the rest of his life the whole thing got Ari thinking of his own mother the mother that he ran away from when he was 13 and she could be in this crowd for all he knew it had been 20 years since he'd seen his mom he knew she lived in Jerusalem or did at the time and he wondered if maybe his mother had come out and had heard what was happening but his vision was so blurry he couldn't tell he wouldn't know he he wouldn't be able to see her. He, he fed, felt betrayed by her for all these years, but now he's thinking it through and wonders if maybe she was just trying to survive. And let me just pause the story there for a second and say, hey, I'm sorry, there's been people that have hurt you. Some of them were just trying to survive. That does not excuse it, but that's a lot of cases that's what was happening. They didn't do it right, but they were just trying to survive. Now we get back into the story. He's thinking, how did my mom feel when I left? She lost her husband a year before, and then her only son ran away and left her behind. He started to feel feel terrible about how he had done his mama all those years before. And if Jesus could forgive those men who were killing him, could he forgive his mother? 
And could he be forgiven for what he did to his mother in abandoning her? And could he be forgiven for all the stealing and the killing and the lying that he had done? Could he be forgiven for walking away from his own wife and child and leaving them behind? Could he be forgiven for all of that? Because looking back on it now, he doesn't feel like a revolutionary fighting the Roman powers anymore. He just... He feels like a man who's utterly ruined his life and thrown everything ever that he had was good, thrown in the dirt. And the weight of years and decades of guilt is crushing him like never before. He, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to die like this with this weight of guilt on him. So Ari did something he had not done since he was a young kid. He prayed. He prayed to God for help. Suddenly, more than anything, he wanted he wanted to have that guilt off of him. Even if he was only going to live a few more hours, he did not want this guilt on him anymore. He wanted to have the guilt off of him before he died. He was, he was so sorry for his mess of a life. Now, he'd heard about this man, Jesus. He'd heard how he had healed people and raised them from the dead, but he also heard about how Jesus changed people's lives, how prostitutes became saints, how criminals became brand new people how even he'd even heard that one of jesus's disciples used to be a tax collector and if a tax collector could be changed and made new maybe there's nobody too bad to save so time ticks away and ari continues to pray and grieve his mistakes and he remembers going to synagogue when during those few happy years when he was with his wife and with his child and remembers hearing a message about how the Messiah, the Savior that was coming, would bring peace. He always imagined peace would mean the world around him being peaceful. The Romans out of town. That's what he imagined peace would be. But then he began to think maybe peace isn't what's out there. Maybe peace is what's in here. Because if the Romans were to go away... Ari still wouldn't have peace in his heart. And I'll pause the story again to say, we think peace is when the world around us is peaceful. And you won't have that. Peace is in when your heart is peaceful when the world around you is crazy. It's going to be crazy. But it doesn't have to be crazy in here. So he begins to think about these things. And in the midst of this, as his heart is changing, he could hear Uriel over there beginning to rant. And he's mad. And Ari had almost forgotten that, that his old compadre was there on that other cross. And, and Uriel is shouting, Jesus, if you're supposed to be the Messiah, why don't you save yourself and save us? You're no Messiah. You're no Savior. You're a dead man like me. Now, Ari hardly knew what he was saying, knew what he was happening, and he found himself shouting back. He says, shut up. Don't you get it? We're getting what we deserve in this man. He has done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. Then Ari turned to Jesus, and the words came out of his mouth, and he, he hardly knew what he was saying. He, he said, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at him with his eyes swollen shut almost his dark brown eyes looking into Ari's light brown eyes and he says I promise you today you will be with me in paradise 
Or he didn't have the words to express it, but something changed in that moment, y'all. Something changed. He didn't feel the weight of guilt any longer. He was still dying. But it was different. Dying. But it was different. He didn't feel the same. He felt new and he wished he could live his life over again. This time without all the horrible things that he had done and all the horrible things that had been done to him. He, he wished he could have a second chance, a do-over. He wouldn't have that chance. He couldn't erase the past any more than we can erase the past. But it was going to be different with what little bit of life he had left. He, he was a different man. And then there was a life beyond this life that he was going to. Hours later... Ari listened as Jesus cried out his last words. And he looked up to heaven. And he gave up his spirit. I'm just going to say, folks, Jesus was not truly executed. He gave his life. He gave it willingly. It was not taken from him. He gave it for you and for me. So Jesus' head drops on his chest. He was long dead when the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. Uriel shouted curses to the end, and when they, when they stuck the spear in him, he gnashed his teeth and called them Roman dogs. Or he kept quiet when they came for him. He was, he was ready for paradise with Jesus, ready for this to be over, ready for peace. The last thing he remembers is the spear slipping between his ribs. And then Jesus was there, standing in front of him, no longer bleeding, no longer on a cross, clothed in white with his arms open wide for an embrace. And Ari falls into his Savior's arms and weeps for joy. And that is the story of the convict and the king. If you've been around church, you've heard that story before. Now, there's a lot of details I had to fill in because we just don't know the background and i don't ever want there to be a confusion between a story and the scriptures so i want to read these scriptures okay i want you to know exactly what was done here i i, I don't want to leave it at that just so you know uh ari um stands for you know r repentant all right and uh uriel is you unrepentant Okay, that's where those that's kind of the inspiration there. So I'm going to read here Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 43. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And they divided his garments and cast lots, and people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. There's some things we see here. Big truths we see here. Number one, we're all guilty of sin. All guilty. It's easy to look at the life of the man in the story and hear the things he had done and say, oh yeah, he was a bad guy. And we look at our lives and we always have explanations for all the things that we do wrong and say, well, yeah, well, yes, of course, yeah, I did that wrong, but you got to understand. Here's, here's what was going on. Here's why I did that. And, and you know what? You may have your story. But when it comes down to it, the scriptures tell us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody who's got it all right the scriptures also say, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We all have blood guilt on us. And we say, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Let me tell you, I got a neighbor. I got a neighbor. I'm, he, he, I, my neighbor cooks meth, okay? I'm just telling you. He's a, he's, and he also roots for the cowboys. I don't know which is worse. And... He's always, there's always somebody worse out there. And you say, hey, I love, hey, I love Cowboys fans. Jesus loves you too. Um, I love you. It's hard. And without the love of the Lord in me, I could not love you. But, but I'm just telling you, we can always point at someone and say, ah, they're worse. That's not how God works. He doesn't judge people by people. His standard is Jesus Christ, perfectly righteous. So none, no one can say, I am righteous of my own accord. We can be made righteous in Christ. Number two, we cannot save ourselves. Cannot save ourselves. Could the thief on the cross get himself off that cross? He was nailed down. And we are just as nailed down by our sins as that man was. We can't rescue ourselves. People say, well, the way to get to heaven is to live a righteous life. To do good deeds and... Your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds, and then you'll go to heaven. Well, that sounds cool, but we've already established that we've already sinned, and that's, we've already messed that up before we get started. But did this man have any opportunity to do any good deeds? No. Did this man, okay, I'm going to get a little controversial, did this man have the opportunity to, get, to receive water baptism? He did not. And yet Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's what Jesus said. This man could do no good works. Only thing he could do was believe. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, By grace you are saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God and not of works so no one can boast. It's only by grace through faith in him. Number three, Jesus gave himself for us, for our guilt. Now, the unrepentant thief, he had something right. Jesus could have called down angels. He could have rescued himself and others. And the only reason he didn't is because he was there with a purpose. He gave himself for us. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we got straightened up. Not after we got cleaned up. Not after we fixed our lives. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Not, not after we got the right haircut and the right church clothes and, and stopped all the things that we were doing and, and got free of our addictions. No, no, no. While we're still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us right now. Right now, like we are. Jesus offers salvation through his sacrifice. Number four, there's no such thing as neutrality. Two men crucified with Jesus represent the two choices that we all must make. Number four, we either choose Jesus 
or we choose not to trust Jesus. And then there's, there's no such thing as being neutral. To not choose Jesus, to not make a choice is to not choose Jesus. You've got to make a choice. Number five, Jesus saves those who come to him in humble faith. The repentant thief humbled himself that day and chose to trust in Jesus. He believed the kingdom, believed in the kingdom he could not see, and his reward was to see that kingdom. He gained heaven. And so people say, well, that's, that's what I'll do. I'll just wait to the end. And right at the end, I'm going to slide in under the door like Indiana Jones in that one movie. And just shoom, it's going to slide right into heaven. Right when the door is closing. Okay, we've made a couple of assumptions here. We've made an assumption that at the end of your life, you're going to have the mental capacity to do that. And you're not going to die quickly or, or, or be incapacitated. So that's probably a bad assumption. That you're going to have time to think this through. And you're also missing something else. See, this man, yep, he made it into heaven. But he missed a lot here on earth. He missed so much. So much. He missed out on the life he could have had. The life that, yeah, he got to live as he wanted to live. Up to the very end. But that life that he wanted to live got him on death row. You want to live how you want to live? It's going to come with consequences. And this, this man didn't miss out on good things here. You know, it's, it's not like if he had gotten saved early, his life would have been bad or difficult. And we think that about Jesus sometimes. Well, if I become a Christian, that means I got to get involved all this fun stuff. Man, it ain't like that. You're giving up the good stuff. You're trading the good stuff for stuff that's just going to bite you in the end. It's fun for a little while. I bet it's super, super fun to go on a high-speed chase. <laughs> Until it's not fun. I can drive 200 miles an hour. If my Toyota will hit 200, I could drive 200 miles an hour. But what happens when I hit the wall? It's not fun anymore. It's always fun for a little while. Man, don't miss out on what Jesus has for you. Trust in Him today, right away, immediately. And if you trusted in Him and you haven't been living for Him, man, don't miss out on what Jesus has for you. Even if you got a lot of regrets. This man had a lot of regrets. And we don't know everything about his story, but we know his story got him on a cross. On a cross that he told God and everybody he deserved. He said, I deserve to be here. What's your story? You may look at your life and you... Most people go one, get in one ditch or the other and say, man, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty much okay. I'm all right. I don't know. Maybe I need to change a few things. And that's one ditch. And then other people get in the other ditch. Man, I'm so messed up, I don't think Jesus could save a guy like me. Neither one of those things are true. Jesus saves whoever comes to him. We're all sinful enough that we need to be saved. But none of us are so sinful that he can't save us. So what's it going to be right now? I, I want to go to the Lord in prayer right now. Maybe it's time to do business with God, okay? Do business with God right now. If you need to pray and be saved, pr do that. You could pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I need to be saved. I, I want to be set free from my sin. Please forgive me, Lord. I, I don't want to keep living this way. I want to be free. Lord, I believe that Jesus is your son. 
And he gave his life for me. And I ask for the new life that only comes through Jesus. You gave your life for me, and I give you my life now in Jesus' name. For anyone who, who prays and calls out to God for salvation, it is only the beginning. It is not the end, as many of us can attest to you, because there's a lot of folks in this room and listening to this message who are dealing with some stuff, and they have been so tripped up on stuff that they're not sure where they go from here or what God can do, or can God really set them free from these shackles? And I'm going to tell you folks, through Jesus, we can be set free. And he offers freedom right now. So let's pray right now and let's ask for freedom. Father in heaven, we look in our lives and we see things we want to be free from. Even those of us who are saved, we don't want to trip up on these things anymore. God, we pray for the freedom that comes through Jesus. Set us free, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the empty tomb that testifies a Lord that is risen. And I pray that you will raise us out of our mess and into your kingdom. Almighty God, we trust you. We believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's, it's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And that feels like the culmination of a lot of things. Hey, you got here, y'all. You got here. We prayed for you to be here. I've been praying for a long time for every one of you to be here. I said, Lord, send everybody supposed to be here. But if you're supposed to be here, then it, this is a beginning. That's not an end. It's not like I got my church in for a while. I'm churched up for a while. It's more like, okay, God, what are you doing now? I want to I take this journey with you. I want to take this step with you. So that's all I got to say, folks. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We got a lot to be joyful for. We got a lot to be celebrating for. So it's been great to have you here. I hope you go and um, don't eat so much you got to repent too hard, okay? Leave that to me. So that's probably one of the things I need to be set free from is, is all the ham I'm about to eat. Thank you. He is risen. He is risen. So, so not everybody knows this, but it's like been an old tradition that, that um, some of you who know, you help me out, and then everybody will join in. It's a tradition of how believers would identify one another. One would say, He is risen, and others would respond. He is risen indeed. Okay, now we're all on the same page. Let's end our service like that today. Everybody, He is risen. Amen. Thank you. To God be the glory. All right, it's all yours now. Let's start this. Uh, this uh, yeah, there's no more song. All right, that's it. Well, I, I thought I might throw in another song. There's nothing. There's nothing. God bless you guys. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Take care. <laughs>